This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's wrong. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Yo, Vanilla, kick it one time, boy. Yo, VIP. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Back again. This is episode 70. 70, man. 70 weeks we've been doing this. I can't even imagine being alive to the age of 70, let alone doing 70 weeks of shows. That doesn't really make sense. I know, but I'm just thinking in numbers. Like if in (laughs) podcast years, like dog years, maybe like each week is a year. Because I feel like there's so many podcasts that just like pop on the scene and then they disappear. We have, we're sticking around. We're like thorns in your sides. Not only that, but we're expanding. We're expanding out. We are expanding. We definitely are. In ways, well, you're shrinking. I'm expanding probably. No, I meant project-wise, just in (laughs) general. Because we are going to move to different medias. We are, but we're not ready to talk about that yet now, are we? But we are ready to tease the shit out of it, ain't we? (laughs) (laughs) Because you are terrible at keeping secrets. Well, I'm terrible at keeping secrets, and I'm very excited about what's coming up in the future. Which is awesome, you big mouth. I mean, you big mouth, bitch. It's um, it's good things happening for the High Regard Show in 2017. It is. The rest of the country's falling to shit. But hey, man, at least our little hole in Harlem is. Yes. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> People just move to our little kingdom is what it should be. Come, just move. come, become become our subjects, become our our peers. Yeah, come here and not play music. Take over the entire <laughs> building. I don't give a shit. You can have as it all. As long as you're quiet, come and spend some time with us in Harlem. How about last weekend, right about this time, give or take a day, we had the police come to our building, not once, not twice, but possibly four times to break up a party on the fifth floor. It's true. We're not even the ones that called the cops. No, no, we we did not. We were waiting until 1 a.m. and then we were going to call the cops. Well, yeah, that was going to be our ritual. Our, our That's hey, our let's, let's wait till 1 because, I mean, anybody can have a party. At, sure, you know. yeah, we're not, we're not fuddy-duddies. We're not too old. We're old, but we're not too, too, too old. Well, we are different kinds of old. Like, you're female old. That's a lot different than male old. What's that supposed to mean, Donald Trump? I'm just saying it's different. Did you hear me? I was like Trump. I was like, Are I you almost said like pranked, <laughs> like Ashen Kratzner's pranked. But four times the cops came to yeah. break up parties. So I mean, you know, if all goes according to plan, there'll be a lot of open spaces up in this apartment maybe. building, and uh, we can have some listeners maybe move in. Come in and be our neighbors. Won't you be our neighbor? Just in time for us to get the hell out of this neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, everybody. Come rent, on, move in. Rent our apartment. <laughs> Jesus, man. If we could find a way to swing it, be done with that shit tomorrow, we'd be out. Yeah, I think I just need to live in like a rubber room or like a bubble, like a silent <laughs> bubble. 
Well, I'm glad you said that because it's not too much longer I'll be able to sign the executive order sending you to <laughs> that very rubber room you so desire. Well, all women are going to be in a rubber room, apparently. <laughs> well, because of hysteria. Probably. Because of bears. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, why don't we get into a You Heard, because after that, we have a guest this week again. We do, we do. And not only is it a guest, but it's a gateway guest. It is a gateway guest. <laughs> and it's extreme. It's pretty extreme. But let's get to the probably a little bit less extreme You Heard, and then we'll get into that. So, this week's You Heard has nothing to do with anything, but I've been wanting to use it. Oh, I know. (laughs) And we just about died when we heard it, because we heard this at Gate H9 in the hell on earth that is known as the Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Florida airport. And I told you when that shooting broke out like a few weeks back, I was like, we were in that hotel. We were in that airport. And you were like, no. And I'm like, yeah, it was the Hollywood airport. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. That's where it was. You can understand why people might freak out. Yes. And do some heinous act in that airport. Because that place is just. Stop horning in on my you heard. I'm just saying you can understand why. It's a horrible place, but I don't think that it would make one want to shoot other people inside of it. It is a horrible, horrible place. But it did not, it made me want to just... Shoot other people (laughs) inside of it. That's terrible. That is terrible, and I will not joke about it, and you need to get out of my segment, my one segment. I'm going to step out of your one segment, go right into your racist you heard. It's not even a racist. It's funny. So we're sitting there, we're waiting for hours for our flight to Jamaica, and we heard over the loudspeaker, Blackwood Jones, please go to H6 for your flight to Montego Bay. Blackwood Jones, please go to flight to H6 for your flight to Montego Bay. And they kept saying his name, Blackwood Jones, and I was like, God damn, that's a good name. And you kept laughing every time I they did. said it. it. Was such, it's such a Blackwood Jones, man. That's like a movie name. Are we sure that at one point you didn't actually make the comment like it pimping ain't easy or something ridiculous I mean, like I'm not that? Gonna say that I mean it does sound like it like could be a pimp. You might have said like, something along those lines. I'm not gonna say that I didn't maybe picture like Richard Roundtree and I was I mean, maybe I was looking for Richard Roundtree. You love Richard Roundtree. I love Richard Roundtree is a goddamn man, Tom. But he was <laughs> seventy in nineteen eighty. I think he's say. dead. Like I honestly think he's dead. The possibility of Richard Roundtree being like the per- perfect man. <laughs> if by perfect man he's you a mean man's buried. Man. Yeah, he's the perfect man in the woman's world. Buried. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, Shaft is one of my favorite movies in like the entire world. Like I love the movie Shaft. I love but I love things that are seventies. In fact I just shared on your Facebook page <laughs> a twinning, a couple's twinning in the seventies, like where they dress alike, wearing like these wonderful leisure suits, and I suggest that you look at it as soon as I'll we're bet. done with this episode. Seventies beats the eighties because I feel like in the eighties it would have been like a lot of uh, overalls. 
Like, a lot of people wearing overalls in the 80s. I don't know what that I'm was picturing all about. like Eileen, like, come on, Eileen, like that. Eddie Van Halen. Mm. What, um, I mean, you had... I mean, a lot of people did wear, wear overalls, yeah. yeah. Boy George. All right. Well, see, a lot okay. of people wore overalls in the 80s. That was like a big I thing. I'm so. wondering, like, 70s, what are they twinning? They're all wearing furs? Well, they were wearing, like, leisure suits. I'll bet like, they were. They were wearing, like, matching, like, leisure outfits. And I would so wear stuff like that because I love the 70s. I love the funk. I love the disco. I love the outfits. And none of that has anything to do with you heard. So let's move on, shall we? All right. Play the music. Oh, we just barely escaped that colossal fuck up, wasn't it? <laughs> what the hell? Richard Roundtree? Are you kidding me? This is what you bring to the table today. Yeah, it is what I bring to the table today, Tom. I can't predict what I'm going to say or do at any particular moment. You got to just go with the flow, man. That's how people do get locked up in mental you institutions. You go on your friggin' tangents I, every episode. I So give me my 30-second right. Richard Roundtree tangent. You had your Richard Roundtree tangent. So be it. Now I'm going to have another tangent. Uh, Yeah, you are. So... <laughs> um. This week's guest, Nikki. Yes. This week's guest <clears throat> is Reed Whiting, who is a, an extreme sports guy. Like I'd say. I'd say. He yeah, definitely he is. is. There's he no is. doubt about it. He is. And we spoke to him because we are going to Minnesota to, tr- to cover the Red Bull Crashed Ice Tour. Which is taking place in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, February third and fourth. Yeah, and basically, it's <laughs> it is the most insane thing. Like honestly, if you're listening and you have a computer, go to Google and just search Red Bull Crashed Ice Ice and watch the videos because it is fucking insane. Like I'm not even going to be <laughs> doing it, and I'm like petrified that we're going to see somebody die. But basically, we might see somebody die. We that might night. see somebody die, or we get really like might. super fucked up. Like seriously, really? like somebody's definitely getting fucked up. I it mean, could be an audience member. It might. It, it might be me. Thing. I mean, who knows? It might be me. It might be you taking photos. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. But like, it is an ice cross downhill event, and basically, they create this like downhill like. It's, it's like a luge course. It's like almost. a luge course, but it's like a little bit wider, and you don't go down it like on your like in in a thing. You go down it on skates. So basically, you're speed skating, and there's jumps, and there's like clip, like there's like drop offs and shit. It is insane, and it's usually set up in like urban environments. Um, we're going to one of like the the season had already started. Um, so we're going to one of its like the one of its early races. The, you know they have stuff in Marseille, France. They have stuff in Finland. In fact, the we we spoke to Reed while he was in Finland for one of the events, and he doesn't race anymore. But he's there. Like if you see a video and it's like it shows like from the GoPro GoPro perspective, like it's usually him. Like he's going down these courses and things like that, and then. From St. Paul, it's going to go to Ottawa, and then it's going to go to Austria, and back to Finland for some of its other competitions. Moscow, like it's crazy. So it's in, it's just like a couple seasons, like it's just a couple events for its season, and it is insane. Red Bull, man, Red Bull always it gives has you wings. the craziest shit. Like I feel like 
people from Red Bull sit in a room. They get all hopped up on Red Bull. <laughs> and then they're like, I feel kind of invincible. And then someone's like, do you think you could like ice <laughs> skate down, down like a luge <laughs> thing with no pads on pretty much? And then some guy's like. I think I could do that. And then they're like, all right, let's turn it into an event. And that's how that's like the like creative marketing team of Red Bull. Like, throw some t-shirts on these guys. Let's get an event going. Put a helmet on. See what you can do. So let's see what happens. And then they go, they they like scavenge the entire planet and they just find people who just I don't know, like who have maybe, no fear. No, they don't feel pain. Like maybe, like they don't. Like you hear about people like that are born without certain nerves and stuff maybe, like that. Yeah, and they're like, oh well, I feel no pain. So what's the big deal going down a luge course on ice skates? Yeah, where a normal person, such as you and I, might look at that and be like, going, "Yeesh." I'd go down. I'm on afraid my butt. for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'd go down. Like if I was going to do the course, like I would go down on my butt if I'm able to. Like that's how I want to do it. But they were like when we were getting ready, like when we were like you know going through some of the like plans and stuff, the itinerary. They're like, "Oh, we need your pad size. We need your skate size." And I'm just like, first of all, like, do you not like look at me? Like I haven't skated. I didn't even. Sk- I grew up with a pond in my backyard, and I. Never. I think I put on ice skates once in my entire life. Like when I would go ice skating, quote unquote, it would just be me and my snow boots out on the pond because I'm, I could never like ice skate. You see, my problem is the arches. Like my, my foot needs to have like an arch and most ice skates don't have it. And I wear a wide sneaker, so it's not like I could pull out an insert and throw it into a skate and be like, oh, okay, this is going to work for me now. Even when I was coaching hockey... Because I coached for years. Putting on skates for an hour would wreck my knees for an entire week. I would never, week. yeah. There's no for way. Week. I was like, I d- gracefully declined on both of our ends. <laughs> and still, we still got forms sent to us like, fill these out so you can do it. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. It seems really <laughs> scary. And then I'm like going, wait a minute. Realistically, because then I thought about it. After like watching the whole downhill thing and stuff, I was like, it does look pretty cool it and looks if, awesome if they put us on like a low grade hell like like <laughs> like i I'm don't know i'm still gonna go down on my butt if i have to well, go down yeah but i mean when you're watching it you're seeing people just like fall all over this course like they'll be like booking it and then yeah. they'll wipe out and then, and like, then they just they get fall, right back they're up, spinning yeah. and then they somehow at the next jump when their like body is airborne They'll get their feet back underneath them, and then they start going again. So in my head, I'm thinking, all right, it's not uncommon to fall because every race we saw had somebody fall in it. Every single race and that I saw And these are skaters online. who have, like, been doing skating. Like, like Reed played hockey for years, you know? So, yeah, you know, these like, are people who, like, this isn't their first rodeo on skates. Like, they're good skaters yeah and they come from countries that are covered in ice so i mean like it's it's like like, okay it's like around here it's like oh your shoes (laughs) yeah around here it's like going oh i'm gonna go to central park to the rink if i'm gonna be like daring where there it's kind of like i need to go to 7-eleven i'm gonna strap on my skates and like hit the road and it's like going all right those guys are wiping out so they're gonna expect us to wipe out that's fine but then i thought about it and i'm like wait a minute you're going at a report on it for real work and for the podcast. I am. I'm going there to shoot photos for both of those and videos. But seriously, when it comes right down to it, how are we going to be doing that and being on skates while doing that? We can only pick one. 
I pick to report and talk to people. I pick to take pictures and videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's my contribution because That's I'm it. so not athletic. Like I am so unathletic. I'm and I'm just lazy. Like I'm lazy. I'm unfit. I'm unathletic. Like let me do this. I'll stand out there in the cold and then let me get a hot toddy afterward. Oh, okay. I guess there's a Finnish guy named Toddy, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's a drink, <laughs> jackass. All right. Anyway, let's anyway, get to the interview. Let's get to the interview. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is my interview with Reed Whiting. Roll that fabulous bean footage. Hello? Hi, Reed. Yes. Hi, it's Nikki from the High Regard oh. Show. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I know you're uh, you're in Finland right now. Yeah, actually, I forgot you were calling. I was just sitting down with, like, Christian Papian and everybody. And <laughs> I was like, who's calling me from this number? Then I remembered. Oh, gosh. Um, Is yeah. now, are we still okay then now, though? Yeah, we're good. Okay, super. So you're in Finland for the second event of the crashed ice season. How's it going so far? Good, good. Um, now, you know I'm not competing anymore, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, everything is great. We were on the, I was on the track with all the guys today. Um, ice conditions are awesome. Track's in great shape. Um, everybody's real stoked to be here. You know, the same event we had last year, so everybody's really familiar with things. And, uh, I think it's going to be a, a great event and a great race. That's awesome. Do you still, you know, go down, um, like, the tracks and stuff? Yeah, with the uh, same amount of time. Because I'm doing uh, the POV. I also do, do the commentating and the POV runs. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so all the stuff before the events, any GoPro runs. I'm kind of in charge of being the athlete on the ice for all that. So, yeah, I, I practice. I pretty much go on the track the same amount as everybody else, even more, um, until the actual event itself. Awesome. So, you know, the sport seems, you know, very big, um, especially in, in Finland. Um, you know, what are some differences between European and American fans of the sport? Um, well, like, the thing with Finland is, like, you know, it's probably like the size of Minnesota, right? And, right. Um, you know, they're a northern state, I mean, a northern country. Winter sports are huge for them. So, like, in Finland, per se, you know, they just really have a huge following with it. Like, it's I mean, not that it hasn't started getting big in the U.S., but mm-hmm. I guess in Finland, they really took a hold of it, like all the national media, all the major TV stations. Right. You know, the, they're part of, like, the Hockey Association, so they already have, like, a lot of credibility in their, you know, federation. Um, and then just getting more people involved. Like, they have uh, four events this year. So they have this event, they have a Riders' Cup, and then they have two other ice cross downhill tracks. So, I mean, four an opportunity for four races for <laughs> kids and, you know, three of them are open invitation. So that's the biggest difference there, you know, Finland, but the other, you know, it's a, in the other European countries, you know, it's a little different. It's a little slower to take off and, you know, it's kind of always built around if there's a, a crash ice event mm-hmm. in that city or country at that time, you know? Right. Um, so how old were you when you learned how to skate? You know, because you started off playing hockey, right? Yeah, about four. Oh four, my five. Goodness. Okay, I think. wow. Actually, no, I was closer to five. I think I was a little late. I mean, a lot of my friends started at like three and a half, four oh and a half. God. I think it was like between five and six. I got going on skates. and 
had a rink in our backyard growing up that my dad put in there. So yeah, hockey was really, really big where I grew up. Right. And and what made you get into ice cross? I was actually, you know, weird, kind of ironic. I was in France with a friend skiing, and it was actually at the hometown of two guys who two years later would be, end up being my teammates and some of my best friends <laughs> on the tour in France in a town called Morzine, um, which is a ski area. We were skiing there, and I buddy sent me a link on Facebook saying, you know, this seems like the perfect thing for you. And I looked at the link, and I'm like, God, that's awesome, you know. And right. <laughs> you're skating, and you're going down this track of ice. I'm like, it just looks incredible. So then I just started researching, you know, how do you get into it? We got to qualify. And then the next year I was kind of ready to go. When the qualifiers came, I went to St. Paul, qualified, went to the event, finished top 64, um, and then just kind of went from there. Just did everything I could to try to, like, bust into the tour until I finally did. So how did you practice? Like, did you go to, you know – a place where this is set up for, for you to like have a trial run or was like the time that you qualified the first time that you went down such a track? No. Um, so the thing with this sport is, you know, everybody thinks, you know, if you don't have an ice track, how do you train for something like that? Well, the reality is, you know, a pair of rollerblades in a skate park, which there is every city in the United States pretty much, um, can be just as good, obviously not any skate park, but, you know, skate parks, BMX tracks, mountain bike, jump parks, pump tracks. Like, we have found that all of these things, you know, pretty much mirror a lot of the features that we'll see on an ice track. And, you know, yes, there's a difference between rollerblades and hockey skates, but the actual movement of your body is identical okay. on these jumps and stuff. And then the rest of it's, you know, how good you are at skating, which most of us involved in this, Oh, at a pretty similar level, and it just comes to pure skating skills. What do you remember about the first time you went down an actual, like, crazy, insane track? Yeah, well, the first time I went in St. Paul, they had this huge start. It was, like, I think three and a half stories. So, I mean, you literally came out of the gate, and then you were just hucked off this drop that was, like, three <laughs> stories tall, and you're probably getting up to speeds of, you know, 40 miles long by the time you get to the bottom. And, so, I mean, that was pretty overwhelming, you know, for that was the first thing you're going to do. And, uh, you know, after the first time, the first time was really scary. I mean, the ice seemed so bumpy compared to skiing in hockey ranks. Right. It looks it definitely. felt completely, like, at the point of, like, failure at all times. Like, you're either going to make it or, like, crash hard. <laughs> like, and I felt like I was always on that fine line. You know, for the first four or five runs, it's like, you're just on that line of being out of control, but somehow keeping it together. <laughs> um, and I think that's how it was a lot of my first year, you know, because I'm trying to push so hard, but I don't really have the, the right skills to do it. Right. And at that time, I didn't know I didn't have the skills. You know, I'm just trying <laughs> to do the best I can. So you're always on that edge between, like, crashing and making it, you know. And if you're not there, you're not going to go, you know, be competitive. Right, absolutely. What would you say, um, you know, being a hockey player, you know, what aspect of playing that game did, do you think helped you most prepare? I mean, like, obviously getting crashed into the boards is nothing like the crashes that can happen on the track. But what would you say was, like, the number one thing that kind of trained you being a hockey player for this? 
Uh, you know, I mean, just general skating. I mean, the hockey thing, um, you know, like, for instance, if you took this from, like, NHL guys, I mean, they would be horrible. So, I mean, <laughs> skating is like, a, it's just a part of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, it's a super crucial part. But if you, as long as you're, like, a good enough skater up to a certain point, right. it doesn't matter that you're, like, NHL caliber skater or, like, division one you know it just matters that you're a good skater you know so you don't need to be you know a great hockey player but you need to have the other skills you know the freestyle skills and or learn or acquire them by training you know but for as far as hockey goes you know uh, more like the mental game you get just from playing any sport um i think is just a big a part of it is your skating you know because i mean there's a lot of ups and downs with ice cross downhill i mean you have to be like mentally tough to like just keep going on and get yourself in the right frame of mind to be successful. Right. And what is the fastest that you have ever gone? Is that something that you guys track? Gone on skates. I, yeah. I think last year in Munich, um, I think people are topping out at like close, to approaching like fifty miles an hour, and there was a jump where. From takeoff to landing, oh, it was like almost seventy feet in the air. Like you were it was like something like I don't, I don't know the exact number, but it was, it was like either sixty-seven or like seventy oh something. It was just like insane, like how far you were traveling. That is so um, crazy. <laughs> and what do you do when you're not skating, Reed? Um. I'm an insurance adjuster, so I travel around the country when there's huge hailstorms or hurricanes, big catastrophes, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I commentate. Now I'm a, I'm a commentator for I'm a TV commentator for Red Bull Crash Ice. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! So, would you insure yourself? No, I've always <laughs> wondered that actually, because um, I've been pretty banged up. Like, <laughs> I could use a couple of surgeries right now that I don't need to take, but I, <laughs> my body's pretty corked, so uh, yeah, there's no chance. No chance. And, of course, I have to ask, um, before we get to my last round of questions, are you still a turtle farmer? Yes. So, yeah, we have a <laughs> – me and my partner have a turtle farm. We raise snapping turtles uh, and export baby snapping turtles to China, actually. Close to like thirty thousand a year, a little. Oh my! Uh, it's really strange. How did you get into that? It, just the same way I've gotten it. Anything <laughs> I've ever done is just right place, right <laughs> right or wrong place, wrong time. I don't really know, um, but you know, you meet somebody, it leads to something, and then right. this was a business opportunity. I got to be really good friends with a, a family. It actually, was a family that been doing this stuff for like three generations and I ended up being close with the son um, and I basically support him financially and we just got it going on our own um, but yeah it's really really weird <laughs> and they're used and it's for like fun. one of those moments in life like it, it actually you know you think of how like uh, I always think about how like one chance meeting can like change the whole outcome of your life and <laughs> right. this was one of those situations because a friend of mine was in a little cafe on a hunting trip and happen to run into this one guy who's a turtle farmer and then you know as years go by i end up meeting him and you know but it's funny because i don't think like what 
what was the one thing? So at that point in time, my buddy happened to be in that restaurant, happened to talk to that guy. Right. If that one thing never happened, you know, and I, you know, I, I think of that situation, but you think of all situations in life that are like that. Like, what if that one moment you weren't right there talking, you know, and you think like how that moment could right. like change the whole direction of your life. It's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. That was one of those moments. Like my buddy met somebody and I was introduced to him a year later and then, you know, things go on and this happens and that happens. And I have a turtle farm and I was his best man at his wedding and one of my best buddies now. And, um, but yeah, I mean, everything's like that. Like what if I wouldn't have gotten a, a basic message about, you know, you should do this crash icing. I wouldn't even have known what it was. Right. And I was already traveling and doing all sorts of fun stuff. I wasn't looking for some new thing to occupy my time. I had plenty of shit going on that I was loving. And, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. But that's how the turtle farm happened and crash ice kind of the same way. Wow. That's just, that. that's awesome. Like that's two very different ends of the spectrum and I love it. That's really cool. So we're going to enter our fire round. So I'm just going to ask you all really right. quick questions. What is your favorite crashed ice course? Probably the second one I did, which was in Lausanne, Switzerland. It was just like really technical, really difficult. Um, at that time, I was not very good, so it was tough for me to handle, but that was just a really fun course. I had a lot going on. And a great, like the atmosphere there was like right through the middle of this kind of old European city cobblestone streets, you know, old 300-year-old buildings. It was just gorgeous. Awesome. And what is your best memory of competing in crashed ice? Uh, in St. Paul a couple of years ago, you know, we used to have the team event, which, you know, three of us, it's three on three. And uh, me and, you know, that's, you got your really good buddies in the tour that are a part of your team. And, you know, it's, it takes it away from the individual side of the sport there. And we won the team competition together. And it was just it was just a special win it, but just win it with your buddies. You know, that was probably my highlight of my career. Awesome. And what was your worst injury that you've sustained doing crashed ice? Um, I have a AC, like a grade five AC separation in my shoulder. So all the ligaments, oh, um, AC ligaments in my shoulder are gone, just ripped clean off. So like I, if you saw me with like a t-shirt on, one of my, I just like have this huge, like, bump on my shoulder which is actually like the bone pushing up because there's no ligaments holding it down anymore it looks pretty nasty um it didn't uh you know it doesn't really affect a lot day to day so i don't get surgery on it but it just looks disgusting it's a pretty big injury i guess if you looked at it you'd be like oh that's gross but it has a good story so i think that makes it that makes it like not so bad maybe right yeah not as bad. <laughs> and what's your favorite hockey team uh, you know, weird thing about that question is, even though I played like, you know, played with a lot of NHL guys growing up and in college, I don't really, I'm not like into hockey much. I mean, I like hockey. I play hockey so a little bit. I mean, if, if anything, Winnipeg Jets, because one of my good friends plays the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so I would say with any team, that would be the one, but I really don't follow it or watch games or just right. not into it. Fair enough. And what's your favorite summer activity since this is such a winter sport? Uh, that's changing uh, now that I have a, a baby and um, I can't do everything I want to do. But I used <laughs> to be involved. I used to do a lot of kite surfing, mm -hmm. um, which I really enjoy and love to do. Um, 
and I also did something called speed flying, which is like um, kind of like paragliding, but with a much smaller um, wing. So you would just kind of like run off a mountain and like fly down and land. Um, those are two things I used to take part in a bit and really enjoyed. And I still have the equipment. I just don't have the time to kind of be running around and doing all that stuff anymore. But um, that's stuff I love. I love the outdoors. I'm big outdoors and hunting, fishing, like really into that kind of stuff still. And um, I've just kind of had to prioritize and right. cut some of the stuff out of my life. Fair enough. You've got a kid that you, you need to be there for. I get it. <laughs> and right. finally, I know it's very late in Finland right now compared to New York time. So I have one more question and then you can go to sleep or do whatever it is that you guys do. So crashed ice is extremely insane. What would you say is the most boring thing about yourself, Reed? Me? Yes. Like, what would you say is the most boring thing about yourself? Because obviously your hobbies and the things that you're into are not very boring at all. Yeah, no, you know, sometimes it, I can be just a little bit, I mean, I'm like, if you met me, you just think I'm like super social, but sometimes I just can be a little bit introverted. I just want to like, just like chill, you know, and do nothing and mm-hmm. sit in a hot tub forever or <laughs> sleep a little too. Like, I have a boring side where I just want to like, just veg out for a while, you know, and um, a lot of people would think it's always like go, 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 right. but, you know, it's part of that, but then sometimes I just will go a while and I just don't want anything to do with anything, you know, I just want to get away from it all, relax, and <laughs> just be by myself, <laughs> you know? I get that. I get that. Without the nosy questions of the press, I get it. <laughs> well, that's all that I have for you, sir. So thank you so much for speaking with the High Regard Show. We look really forward to coming to Minnesota and seeing this up close and personal. Awesome. All right. Have a good rest of your time in Finland. <laughs> you have a great night. All right. Bye-bye. And there you have it. That was my interview with Reed. It certainly was. Right from Finland. I don't understand when you get somebody that does, because, I mean, years ago, Kyle, like my oldest son, when he was like. My oldest son. Do you have another son son that I don't know about? You don't need to know everything. Anyway, my oldest son, he basically was taking lessons for dirt bike riding. Mm -hmm. All right. And. The person who was giving him instructions, he was very, like, open to letting him do jumps and stuff like that. Now, Kyle at the Right time, off the get-go? Day one. Bullshit. Kyle was seven years old, never even ri- ridden a dirt bike before in his life. And but, that's a hard thing to go from, like, nothing to a dirt bike, like... I yeah. can't imagine. Like, I had a quad when I grew up. When I was growing up, we had a quad because we lived in the right. middle of nowhere. It makes sense. So it's like to go from like zero to like a two wheeler, I would never even dream of such a thing. Yeah. Well, this guy gave him lessons, and like there was a cost that was built, and they were building it actually for like a real, like, you know, dirt bike race. Like, they wanted to hold them in the area we were living in. Mm-hmm. But it was so remote and stuff like that. They were like, we're never going to get enough people to come here and even if we did there's not enough room for parking on the small roads that you had to take up to get to the place but the people that invested in the course 
built it and then left it. So there was just a couple of local people who would basically go there and just go to this vacant course and ride it all the time. That's what he learned. But seriously, like I was getting lessons with him at the same time he was getting lessons. Were you like Danny McBride and like vice principals when he like when his daughter <laughs> was learning how to do it? <laughs> no. And then he like took out a snack stand. Um there was no snack stand to take out. Um, I think I broke both my nuts on my first <laughs> jump. <laughs> but, like, I remember Kyle went and watching him. And it's so strange when you're watching, like, an extreme sport. Because as you're watching it happen, you're, like, paying such close attention. Because especially, even if you don't plan on doing it yourself, you're, like, going, man, I'm just watching everything. So that if something goes wrong, I will know the precise moment that that thing happened. And that's really how you watch these events a lot of times. So when Kyle went, he did his first jump. Um, it was between these two jumps. We had to like jump and then land it on the other side on another kind of hill. And it wasn't a huge, huge thing, but he came in hard and he banged the front of it and like turned turn off the road into the woods and got all kinds of messed up. A minute later, his instructor was down there pulling his bike out of the woods, Kyle behind it. Puts Kyle back on it, and he did another loop around the course. The next time he jumped it, he nailed it. So it's my turn to do it, and I was like, all right, I just know. Because the instructor's like, don't be afraid to give it speed. Like, that's the key. Right. If you're not going fast enough, you're not going to get enough flight. <laughs> I'm booking it, like, as fast as I can get it. I have the throttle pulled all the way back. I am cruising. Throttle. I hit it, missed, overshot, way overshot. Overshot. Get completely thrown out off this thing. <laughs> and... As I'm laying there and this guy comes over to, like, get you, me. Did you think you broke anything? Um, No. I didn't did you think break I broke. Did No. I got the wind knocked out of me and I couldn't breathe for a minute. Mm. And I was, But that's not uncommon. I was like, I knew what. I was like, all right, I know what this is. Just got to chill out. But he came over. He was so calm. He's like, all right, man. He goes, you just got to bring it in a little bit. You were just going a little too fast. Like, someone's going too slow. And I was just, like, so calm. Like, these people that do these sports are so they are very calm because you have to be like you can't have and i freak out about things so it's like you can't like and when you freak out about stuff like that's when you get nervous like if i go on a job interview or something like that and i'm always like if i the more the less i like care about something the better it is because like i just am a nervous person to begin with you know so it's like <laughs> the less you like you just gotta focus and just keep calm I remember I have a story about throttle and speed. Oh. I had like a little like baby quad. Like I don't even know what it was. I think it was like a 250 or something like that. And when I was like. Oh, 250 was it? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. All right. But my dad had like a big quad and I had like a little, little one. And we were out in the woods and we were riding like behind our house and stuff. And he thought that he was going to be like all smart and like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to like, because there was a part where like the path like split off and it like doubled back to like where we were. So he thought, I'm going to speed off and go around this path and come up behind her. And she's probably going to be there because I was like always kind of just like wishy-washy and just like, "Eh." so he thought like I would just stay there and be like, oh, my God, like, where did he go? Where did he go? Well, he took off and (laughs) I took off right behind him because I thought that that's what we were doing. Like, you don't want to get lost. I didn't get the memo. (laughs) So I was like, oh, we're speeding now. Okay, great. So he like heard me, I guess, over the sound of his quad. And he turned around and I come over like this one part that comes into like the field behind our house. And there's like 
a stone wall that like you would like kind of like you know it was like a speed bump kind of and like you would go over it so like he went over it and everything well I came over it and because I was on a lighter bike because I was on like a smaller bike I was airborne and I like landed next to him and did like a like a twist like you know I'm just like burnout I guess or something and he was like that was very impressive let's go home we go in we put the quads away he said get in the truck and he took me and got a helmet that day (laughs) (laughs) and i got the most incredible like star spangled helmet just like eva knievel bet you did i bet you did probably no shortage of american flag helmets (laughs) in your area not back then man eva knievel was everything oh yeah well i mean he still is i mean i love him i i read a book about him I was like so obsessed. I loved that book. Which might sound impressive to our viewers, but Nikki reads like 17 books per month. So like seriously, <laughs> not really all that impressive. But still, the, the, the subject matter. Like he was a magnificent bastard, but man, what? Like, he but was just a bastard, basically. He was, and, you know, this kind of hope, this was a really good segue back into like talking about the Red Bull crashed ice because he really paved the way for these like daredevils and these extreme sports guys because he started all that shit. And whether he like you know, screwed it up like the Snake River Canyon thing or, you know, not screwed it up, but like shit went wrong. Right. You know, like he really started this whole movement of people just doing crazy things for the sport of doing it. Well, yeah. Can you imagine, uh, like, we've talked about like dirty kids before on the show. How, like, if you get into a fight, you'd never want to fight a dirty kid. Especially one from Long Island. Like, seriously. Like, you could punch them all you want, and, it, like, nothing happens to them. They just get more angry and more up, yeah. crazy, right? So you're like, oh, don't fight a dirty kid. Because they got nothing to lose. Because dirty kids got nothing to lose. Yeah, but I feel like that's the other thing. Like, so are you calling extreme athletes dirty I'm, kids? I'm not calling all extreme athletes dirty like kids. They're But of dirty they kids. are kind of like the kids that don't feel anything. And if they, fe- if they get hurt doing this thing, they're like, fuck it, throw another bus up. I'm going to go over like 15 yeah, instead of 14 like of them. Reed, and it's like, like, oh, what do you mean you're going to go over more? You just wiped out on 14. You're going to do 15 now? Right. Like even Reed said that like he needs surgery because he has like, you know, he has like no ligament or whatever. Like his like shoulder is like concave. And he's like, yeah, I know I need surgery, but like, eh. Yeah, it's a totally different mindset. It's just so bizarre to me that somebody would, like, go and do it. But I guess, like, you know, if, let's say, you were a dirty kid growing up, right? And then someone said to you, like, hey. A dirty kid. You know, you could do these four races, and at the end of it, you might be a half million dollars richer if you're good at, like, falling down this ice hill on skates. If you could fall down the hill faster than anyone else... You might say, shit, that's not bad. I might do that for, you know, some, you know, buku bucks. Buku, buku bucks. (laughs) Right? I guess so. I feel like I got to start learning some, like, hip lingo before we go away to this thing. Yeah, I think so. And I don't recommend that you, like, call any of these guys or girls dirty kids because they will probably cut you with their skates. I'm saying mindset. Like, fighters are the dirty kid fighters. Like, these people are like legit athletes because there's no way like a normal like you were saying a normal person is not going to strap on skates right. and go down this ice hill right like so my first inkling was super like impressive. hell no i ain't doing that but i would go down on my butt because it looks like a slide can you know, i get with, a with tube 
<laughs> oh my god yeah like now we're now we're like a two like that's that's my speed yeah Can that I was start, dropping like, your language <laughs> sure <laughs> start at the top you know what will happen first turn you'll just go right over the edge i know edge. right like that would right be over like, the edge and like that's the thing like as i'm watching this and we'll put one of the videos on um in the description of our show this week so that you could see it um but it's like when I'm watching it, it's just like, oh my god! Like, how do you not go over like the side? You know. Well, that's the other thing, man. Like, you think I want to put my camera down for a minute? I know you're gonna fall in a parking lot. <laughs> I want to catch that on. I, right? I want to catch that on film for sure. Like, we were walking the other night like, <laughs> to the. We were going out and it was snowing and I like slid and I was like, Jesus Christ. I know you get like so bitchy like when you got to walk in the snow and the sidewalks aren't shoveled. I didn't have good traction on my shoes. Oh, on. well, wait till we go to Minnesota. I'm sure it's not going to be any better there either unless I you're feel like screwing I need to spikes buy, on. Like, like ski gear. I used to have the cutest ski gear when I was a skier for one season. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was a very good skier. Like once I got over my fear of being up on like a hill, I was a very good skier. See, I feel like that would be like the same way with any sport, but it's just getting out there and doing it for the first time. Like when we watch the videos of this thing, like the, and the gates open up and mm -hmm. people jump out of those chutes, like on their ice oh skates God, and stuff crazy. like that. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking the first time that you walk out and, and you just hear, you're just, it's complete silence. And then you hear like just that bell and then you shoot out. And of you it. just hear whoosh as you go down the hill. Yeah. And it's not even that you have to worry about crashing because the guy next to you could wipe out and just and take kill you with you. him yeah and take you with him and like they do like they bump into each other like it is really like oh my god it's really cool but if you want to learn more you can of course check back with us because we are going to have video we're going to have photos we're going to have write-ups we're going to have interviews and things with some All of these of athletes and stuff we're going to I don't know. I was gonna come up with like some big like thing, and then I was like, and then you were like, ah, like, what? Yeah, do, what do you know about know. words? Seriously, yeah. come on. I'm not too good with words. That's right. <laughs> but if you want to learn more in the meantime, until you see what we're gonna be posting on our site and on our social media, you can check out RedBullCrashedIce.com and check. I mean, you have to check this out. It's crazy. It is absolutely insane. So, I guess. Um, that wraps that part of this it show does. up, huh? So thank you, Reed. We really enjoyed talking to you. Look forward to meeting you this week in St. Paul, Minnesota. My very first trip to the Midwest. Really? Yes. I've never well, been to the Midwest Well, you'll be fine. I'm very glad that I have a very, very, very warm coat. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully a lot more layers to go along with it because it is Minnesota and it's going to be freaking well, freezing. You have your running gear, you know, that you're going to wear under your clothes and stuff. And I have I bought some extremely expensive, warm stuff to wear under mine. So <laughs> fingers crossed we don't get frostbite. Well, yeah, of course not. But I mean, you know, even if you do, you can always sit back in the lodge and drink your hot toddies or whatever the hell it is you want to call it. Which I plan on doing. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Shall we fair do enough. a roly-poly roarty? Sure. Let's roll that music now. I almost said bean footage. No, that's not for this. And it made me think of like the red bean um, bun that I just ate. Well, why don't you save it for roly-poly roarty being worn onto my segment now? Oh, don't infringe on Tom's segment. Play that freaking music. <laughs> And? <laughs> oh, oh, you wanted me to start? 
Well, it is your segment, well, dictator. Let's, Tom. let's talk about your red bean buns instead. instead. I mean, <laughs> that's like a food item. It was quite good. Yeah, they have. They're awesome, man. I love like a steamed red bean bun. So you have been sick this week. I still feel like I'm dying. Yes. I feel like right now this is my death rattle. Like you're getting like the last. You're milking the last bit of energy out of me. Well, I'm glad that I'm milking it out of you because <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good analogy. <laughs> Great. I literally feel like maybe a little better than yesterday overall, but just still like zero energy and if whatsoever. if anyone remembers the whole Tom has a summer cold from like a couple months ago, this is probably going to linger for weeks and he's going to be miserable and we're all just going to want to kill him and ourselves. No, man, because I want to get out of here. Like we had so many good plans coming up for this week we and then they catch did. a cold for it. <laughs> Listen, here's the good news. And then I had to catch a cold for it. The good news is still week after week, still losing weight. Not three pounds or five pounds no. or whatever at a time, True. but still losing. But, right. But, and this is what they said was going to happen. Like this yes. is how, like now you're like, you're, you're like maintain, you're losing your weight and like you're finding just this like groove that it's going to be. And also you have to take into consideration that you haven't run it all week. I missed, I think three days in a row of running now. So it's like, do you feel like, how does your, how do you personally feel? Like, do you feel like you're missing something? Like, yeah, like I, have you, I feel like, like, are you craving it? Yeah. And I'm craving it because I'm worried I'm going to like snap out of shape and I'm gonna have to like start this whole process all over right. again. I get it. So there's the nerve wracking thing. So, I mean, you know, I've been trying to do the stepper. But the last two days, been no, doing you've been nothing. Dead. Yeah, I, no. And then, and then, I get no sleep. But then I go to bed, and I'm up like the entire night into the morning again. Yeah. So I think like last night, I got like two hours sleep, even though I was in bed for like eighteen hours. <laughs> so it's like, what the hell am yeah. I doing wrong that I can't pass out? And I think a lot of that has to do with having the routine of a physical activity like running and then not being able to like right. get rid of that energy. But now you were, when you were running, you were having problems sleeping as well, which, yes. you know, is strange to me because like, I know that like when we would go on those walks, I'd be like, God damn, I'm tired because like <laughs> I'm so out of shape. But like, do you think that like you weren't sleeping when you were running frequently because the time that you were running, cause you would go like after nine, you would go at midnight, you know? And like, that's not good to like, they say that like, you're not supposed to do it like directly before bed. And it usually wasn't because what then times where I would go at like, you know, 11, 12 at night, I would go out for a run, but I would never ever go to bed without taking a shower first because just being in that area is skeezy enough. Right. So like, there were nights where it was so cold out that as I was running like uphill, I wouldn't be able to break a sweat because the wind and the cold would be sure, so yeah. much. It'd be like, I'm not, there's nothing I can do that's going to work up a sweat. Right. So I would get home and I'd be like, oh no, I ran. I got to take a shower before I do anything. So even on those nights. But that's nights, not even like enough time to like settle you down from exercise. Kind of. Because by the time you're done taking a shower and then getting your clothes ready and then, you know, usually it would be like, okay, now I'm dehydrated as all hell. So I would like have a drink. I would sit down. I'd watch like one TV show. You know what? Like an hour or an hour and a half would have gone by by the time I went to bed. Okay. 
So it's like, all right, technically I should just pass out, but for whatever reason, I'm not. You're just not sleeping. I'm just not I wonder, sleeping. like, what do you think that that could be attributed to? Because you used to not sleep because you were in so much pain, which is yes. the pain that, you know, was the catalyst for you getting this surgery. Yes, absolutely. So you're not in pain anymore, right? Not no, good? I'm not in pain. Definitely, it's not a pain thing. It might just be a mental thing, you know? Like, maybe you're just used to not sleeping and, like... It could be it. I mean, I don't know. There are times where I go to bed and I'm not saying necessarily the podcast, but I'm saying like the future projects that like mm-hmm. we sure, tend to tease. About that stuff, yeah. You know, because I don't know. Me personally, I could sit down on the couch right now as the TV's on. I'm not thinking about anything at all. Like I am brain right. dead. I'm into whatever's on. But and it once you shut whatever. that, once you shut everything off and the lights are off and the air conditioner's on. I, and the same thing happens to me. There's nights where I don't sleep. Right. You know, and I'm going like, and I get up so early and like, I don't sleep because the second my head hits the pillow, because when you're up and you're in the living room and we're talking and we're watching something, we're talking about whatever we're watching and the kid comes home and all these things, like we've got all of these things to occupy our thoughts. But when like you're laying down in bed and you have that white noise, there's nothing for you to focus on, but your thoughts. Right. And the the weird part is that, you know, people always say, well, keep a pad next to your bed. You can write down your ideas. But when I go to bed and I'm laying down, I'm like, all right, I know that if I fell asleep right now, I got six hours. Like yeah. I've, I gotta fall asleep like right now. Yeah, as soon as I my head, as soon as I go into bed, like the last thing I do is look at my clock, and I'm like, okay, it's eight o'clock. If I fall asleep right now, which never happens, it's like, oh, yeah, eight, never nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like no. Right, so you you're kind of screwed because you're under pressure the and second you, you lay down. Think about it, yeah. And then you come up with these ideas, and you're like, oh my god, I have like a really good idea. And then you're like, should I like get up and write it down? And then you're like, no, if I get up, I have to start the whole process all over again from yeah. the beginning. So I'm not going to. I'll just try to remember it. And then that and never then, happens. No, but that thought, whatever that thought is, will just linger there. And it'll mm-hmm. be like, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And then like you'll pass out. You'll sleep for two hours. You'll wake up the next day. You'll be so exhausted and be like, not only do I not remember of what I was thinking last night, I don't even care anymore at this <laughs> point. And then, like, a couple of days go by, and you were like, man, I wish I could remember what that idea was because it would have, like, I feel like it was going in such the right direction for the show. So that's kind of the speed bumps that we face, you know? Right. So, I mean, I guess that's the mental part of it. Is that your chief complaint right now, like, of life, of your health, that, like, you're not sleeping? I mean, aside from, like, you know, your summer cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I would say probably yes. And have you tried talking to your doctor about it? I have talked to my doctor about it, and we have very conflicting ideas on what to do about Mm -hmm. it. Right, but does he, like, was this a common thing that, like, is post-bariatric surgery? Um... It wasn't unheard of. Like, when I mentioned it, he was like, all right. He goes, it happens. And he was like, um, he goes, what has worked for you in the past? And what has worked for me in the past was Xanax. Right. Xanax. It shuts your head off. Yeah. Right. Because that's, I know that's what's keeping me up is these the thoughts head. that yeah. keep going. Yeah. So, you know, his thing was, um, well, Xanax isn't a sleeping pill. And I'm like, I'm using it just to shut off the thoughts. Yeah, it's a, I don't it's need a sleeping pill. I need something to just turn my mind off. My body knows how to fall asleep. It just can't. Yeah. Um, and his thing is what you need is something to help you sleep, not turn your mind off. 
and I disagree. I'm like going no. Cause sure, but what was his what were his suggestions? Benadryl. That's his suggestion was he's like going just get Benadryl and he goes and take a Benadryl a night and I'm like going that's a drug I'd prefer not to take because, I mean, that I don't I don't know what the difference is, like, long term. Things right, and of stuff course, like that. because it's not like you need, you're not looking for something that you could take every night. Right. You're looking for something that like, because I know that when I used to have it, I used to take it once a week just to be like, okay, here's one night where I'm guaranteed sleep because I can operate on very little sleep. But like you reach that point where you're just like, I have got to have a decent night's sleep. And the other night I took my first Xanax in like three weeks. I was dead. Like I was out. I don't did remember, job. I don't remember for you. anything. And I was like, holy shit. Like I woke up. That was the best sleep I think I've had since I've been on this schedule. I will say that previous doctors, almost every doctor before this one, all was like, all right, you can totally do, you know, Xanax. And my concern was like, what if I get too used to it? Because at one point, one right. of the doctors had prescribed, you know, a two milligram tablet. And he goes, you could take this as many times as you need during a day. Two milligrams of Xanax is like a Huge rhino amount. dart. Yeah. Like for, for me. I mean, I know some people can do like two milligrams of Xanax like four Every times a hours. day. Yeah. And it's like, who, you know, like who cares? But me, I take one two milligram pill and I'm like dead yeah like dead knocked out yeah, i don't know how people do it so the good thing about that was is that i was able to crack them in half because i'm like one milligram works fine and you know i wouldn't have to go back and forth to the pharmacy like right. every single month to get more of these things because you weren't even using them that much i know but like my thing was what if i build like a tolerance to it right that's always my thing too because i do build a lot of like I get I have to switch like from Tylenol to Advil like every time I finish a bottle because if I get a headache like those things don't work if I take them right. for like you know an entire bottle over the course of however long. Right. But every single doctor I've been to, they all said non-habit forming mm-hmm. and you will not build a tolerance to Xanax. Right. And I'm like, "All right, fair enough." And so it has been holding true that I, you know, right. don't need more than a milligram. But again, you're not taking it Every you're not taking it on like a twice like a twice daily basis. You're taking it when you need it. Twice weekly is what I'm about. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like daily. Like you're not taking right. I'm not doing it every day or every couple hours or something like some people I've known. Right. No, I'm not doing it that much. But I mean, still, it's like going okay. Well, look, if I can do a Xanax like every other day and have things work out fine and just struggle in the off days. All right. Well, whatever. So be it. So three days I struggle with sleep, two days I get sleep and the weekends. Who cares? Yeah. Like it seems like human, you know, like that's just what you do. Like nobody gets enough sleep. You know, I, I actually just did a story on like on a bed company and you know, they said she was like, yeah, like, of course, like, you know, people are supposed to get seven to eight hours of sleep. She's like, but like, nobody does that. Like, nobody can get seven. Like, I myself get like five if I'm lucky. Right. I think most people get around probably six. Yeah. Five or six, I think is the norm. But I mean, you know, to go on Benadryl, I'm like going, you know, that's insane. I don't want to go on Benadryl. That's a ridiculous drug. And I think that like a lot of doctors have so many things against them now where if they write a script they're under investigation rather quickly so they'd rather not write 
you know, prescription for two milligram tablets right, of Xanax. Of course, they yeah. could just say, go out and go get Benadryl instead. And I ain't got to write a script for anything. And... See, then I'm like, okay, God forbid. So, like the other, like, la- like over the summer, I got stung by a bee. So I'm like, I had to take <laughs> Benadryl, too. you know? So oh. that was two years ago. In my armpit. <laughs> I know. Because oh, no. bees won't bother because you unless bees, you bother them. Because an expert, a bee expert, told you that bees he won't bother you. Not a good expert. <laughs> he was like, he is a hashtag not an expert. No, but right. at least we know where we get it from. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you want to add about your weight loss? I mean, you you came out today and you were like, oh my god, like I haven't run, I haven't eaten, and then you still lost weight. Yeah, but I haven't eaten no either. That was the scary thing too. It's like going going from running and having like your metabolism work at a much higher rate, yeah. and then like having like three days off. It's like holy shit, what damage did I do by sure, getting sick course. this week? So this morning, when, that was on my mind all night last I'm night. I'm sure it was. So what time is it? It was like 5 o'clock in the morning, I think. It was I like think. 5.30. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I what like, are you doing? I got out of bed <laughs> and I pulled the scale out. And you were up because you were working from home today. And you were like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and I'm like going, I'm not sitting down. I'm just weighing myself and going back to bed. That's it. And then that's what I did. And, you know, okay. I'm still losing weight. I lost what? like another pound and a half since last week. So and what are you down without to? Running. Um, two seventeen point four from or three o two people from three o two. Yeah, and we're what? I think oh no, we're not even four months in yet. I think we're a week away from four months. Oh my god, Tom, you can just round up and say four months. Close to four months, but I still have another week. So I hope nearly, by that time, nearly is how we journalists handle almost. <laughs> nearly four months later, Tom was down to two hundred and seventeen pounds. Yeah, well, if I, I want to break 215 by my birthday, which I think is definitely, definitely possible because that gets me out of all the obese classes and just puts me into what doctors refer to as overweight. Overweight is what the majority of Americans are. That's like the normal, like festive. when you see like... You're festive weight. Right. <laughs> but I mean like healthy weight, I mean still I'm a ways away from healthy but you're a hell of a lot healthier than you were a year ago or oh, six months ago. I was morbidly obese class two, which is like you really should be, you know, God. dead right now or really close to it because, you know, when you're not eating cookies, you're just eating raw sticks of butter. Like that's how you get to morbidly obese class two. Were you eating raw sticks of butter when I wasn't looking? Well, I might have had a lick, but. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> All right. It looks then. so delectable. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. So I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, as far as the updates go, I mean, hopefully the cold goes away and next week back to running. God willing. God willing. Go, please pray for me that the cold goes away. Oh, don't do that. I can't stand it. It seems like every time I go on social media now, it's like, please pray for so and so because of this. And it's kind of like, dude, you don't want my prayer. And it's okay, like if, I, I want their prayer because there's nothing worse than a man with a cold. And the only thing that is actually worse than a man with a cold is Tom with a cold. Yeah. All right. Sure. Because you are perfection with a cold. I am. And that wraps up this week's Roly Poly Roddy. Ah, well, that's this week's show, everybody. We're taking a little trip to Minnesota. That's right. So, um, you know, if you want to, I guess, tag along with our hijinks, you can check out our social pages. I'm going to mix it up, Nikki. What? Where are our social pages located at? Oh, my gosh. High regard show. Yep. 
So we'll probably be like doing like Facebook and Twitter we and whatnot are. from we the road. So photos. Yeah, so our Instagram will be like updated as well. Yes. And um, you know, if you want to learn more about like the Red Bull event and you know, more about, you know, like anything else that we do on the show really, check out our website at highregardshow.com. And if you have any questions or comments or rhetoric, you can write to us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And since Tom already bum- bamboozled my segment, I'm just going to remind you that if you want to check out more about the Red Bull Crashed Ice event, visit RedBullCrashedIce.com. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for us, everybody. Hope you all have a good week. Yes, and let's see what kind of <laughs> commalities I can bring upon myself in the winter wonderland that is Minnesota. That's right. All right, everybody. Till next week. Bye, bitches. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. See you later. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. You never take.